Hello and welcome everyone. This is Chris Sands and you are listening to The Leading Edge by TechGC, where we discuss current issues and trends at the forefront of law and technology. If you're not familiar with TechGC, we are a professional community platform for legal executives designed around live events, online collaboration, and connecting members to their most valuable resource, their peers. In today's episode, I will be speaking with Ken Carter. Ken is currently the general counsel at Bitmovin, a technology leader in online video with over $62 million in funding. Before Bitmovin, Ken was counsel at Cloudflare, a website performance and security company currently valued at over $5 billion. He was hired at Cloudflare as the company's first in-house lawyer to lead legal affairs, public policy, government relations, and trust and safety, and he was instrumental in Cloudflare's Project Django. Now, if you're not familiar with Project Django, I recommend looking it up on Cloudflare's blog. It was Cloudflare's aggressive response to one of the top 10 patent trolls, Blackbird, after Cloudflare received a dubious patent assertion back in 2017. I'll put a link to further details on Project Django in the description. In our conversation, we talk mainly about the nature of the patent troll industry and ways to combat many issues tech companies face. We speak about economic rationality and game theory in the patent troll context, the strategies patent trolls use to gain power, the non-infringement versus invalidation responses to patent assertions, and other topics. Ken and I have been back and forth on patent troll issues for some time now, and it's great to have his enthusiastic and intellectual contribution here. With that, let's tune into my combo with Ken Carter. All right, Ken, so great to have you on the podcast. You know, your LinkedIn profile labels you as Troll Slayer, and I find that to be a pretty solid title for you, considering your work in Project Django, but also subsequently at Bitmovin, where you sent a patent troll running for the hills shortly after joining. I think there's a lot to learn from the way you approach patent trolls, but why don't we start with the concerns that companies should be thinking about when it comes to this industry of dubious patent assertions? Yeah, so I think I would start with some strategic concerns. If you are starting a company and the second you ship product and that product gets reported on in the newspaper, you're a target for a troll. It's that easy. You don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to be very successful, but that will increase your profile. For in-house counsel building a company, patent troll lawsuits present a whole series of interesting and difficult strategic challenges. They differ from most other litigation in that you are as concerned about the impacts in the current case as you are with implications further down the road. So imagine for a second that you're the owner of a grocery store. Now, further suppose that someone walks into your store and slips on a banana in the produce section. In the ensuing litigation, as the owner of the grocery store, you can settle that case out, you can litigate it on the merits, and you'll forgive the expression, take that case up on appeal. But what you're really not concerned with is the signal that that sends to the market in terms of future lawsuits from other customers, or even worse, people that aren't your customers. You're really not concerned about those strategic issues in the grocery store case. When it comes to patent troll litigation, you are much more concerned with setting an example and becoming known as the easy mark or a hard target in the market. So in the grocery store case, you're not really concerned about the impact of that litigation on your competitors. With a patent troll lawsuit, that might become a concern. For example, if you litigate the patent troll lawsuit and you invalidate the troll's patent, you have borne all the costs of that litigation. But you've also made a world that's free of that patent to be asserted against your competitors. So they get the same benefit that you do, but your company's borne all the costs. 
Right. This is sort of that recognition of externalities. To use your example, if you are lighting up your house, the light also has a spillover effect to the entire neighborhood. So there may be a few houses that spend a lot of money on utility costs and lighting, and the rest of the neighborhood receives the benefit at very little cost. I want to shift, though, to the strategy of the trolls themselves, which is sort of brilliant. From their perspective, it's all about giving companies that magic number, a number where they're left with what seems to be a very clear economic decision. It costs $100,000 to defend the assertion. It costs $10,000 to make it go away. The troll is holding the cards here. What you're describing is sort of like a drinking game where you just want to get the picture just enough so that the other guy starts to try and guzzle the whole picture but can't make it and then he has to buy the next route. And that's exactly the game that you're talking about strategically from the patent troll perspective. The way these things typically work is a patent troll will come after a small company, pick up a lot of small value nuisance settlements that are technically at a very high rate, a very high royalty rate, because the small company hasn't sold many of its units. And then they have a war chest and then they work their way up this sort of chain till they get to bigger, more established companies. All sorts of problems for the smaller players also creates problems for the bigger players because now there's a litigation history on this patent and a valuation associated with the patent in terms of a royalty rate. But it's very hard to stop that because all of this happens at various times. And I think you and I have spoke before about sort of collective action problems. And each one of those companies has a different risk profile and a different risk tolerance. Some will just say, go away. I don't want to litigate, right? I'm going to raise my next round and I can't have this lawsuit hanging out there when I go raise a round or I just don't have the cash to fight it right now. All of those are problems associated with smaller companies. And it may not in the short run be worthwhile economically, right? You're not going to spend a million dollars to defeat a $30,000 lawsuit. That's not economically rational unless you're considering the long run, right? If you spend a million dollars now and you never, ever see another patent troll again, over the life of your company, that actually might be money well spent. But you'll never know that for sure because you never have the counterfactual. And that requires an awful lot of faith. And there's no guarantee that even if you spend a million dollars defeating the current case, that you don't catch another one next year, that you don't catch another one in six weeks. I want to hold on to that idea of economic rationality because there are many ways to interpret that in the world of patent trolls. From a company strategy perspective, and we've talked about this before, is that when responding to a dubious patent assertion, the idea is to be perceived as economically irrational that the economic considerations seem almost irrelevant and the principle of squashing bad actors appears as paramount. How should we view this idea of economic rationality? Just before I address your question directly, the other way to be economically irrational is you settle every lawsuit and then you're an easy mark. And then you have lawsuit after lawsuit and you become Microsoft or Amazon. That's an easy mark. You show up with a patent and they're going to license it as opposed to a Cloudflare or a new egg, which really developed the strategy of standing up. My personal recommendation based on my experience is to stand up. You need to show the other side that you are not necessarily going to be economically rational, that you are going to respond in a way that is disproportionate to the threat and is going to change the nature of the game such that they'll feel pain as well. One of the problems with troll suits is the troll can make you feel economic pain. They can get an injunction and stop you from selling your product. 
they have no product. So you can't enjoin them. You can't have another competitive response. Like if your competitor was asserting a patent on you, in this case, you might pick another product and drop your price to hurt them. Right? There are all kinds of competitive responses that are not available when the assertion entity is non-practicing. So you want to stand up. You want to show them that you're going to take away their patents, both this patent and other patents that they have. We had great success We've linked a single individual to about three different other LLCs, which were asserting patents. And we said, we're not going after your patents in this LLC. We're going after your patents in the other LLC. And that way, everybody will know that you're responsible for patent assertions through several different seemingly unrelated entities. And we're going to take those away from you. That was incredibly effective. That guy went away without another word. So you have to find a way. It's not always easy and it's not always obvious to make the troll feel some form of economic pain. In one case, it was the threat of ethics complaint against their attorneys. The ethics complaint eventually didn't go anywhere, but worked out quite nicely in terms of a deterrent. So there are things that you can do, but you have to do the hard and creative work in terms of figuring out what they are. And this really has to be the opening strategy, right? So how do you navigate that in the right way? You can't go from going, I'm going to negotiate this out and settle this to turning around and I'm going to fight you hard. You can only step down in one way. You also shouldn't step out there in that way unless you have the full support of your client. Like if your board of directors like, go and get this over and done with quickly, I'm going to give you enough room to run this. You will actually get away with it. There's also, if we're talking about game theory, if you know the game of chicken, and that's the game where two cars are driving at each other, and the first one to swerve loses, right? If both swerve, they both lose. If nobody swerves, they both die. In this game, if you're the driver, you want to break the steering wheel off of your car and throw it out the window so that the other side knows that you don't have the capability of swerving. You want to tell him that you're board says, don't swerve. I don't have a, I don't have, I, I'm just an agent here. I don't have authority over this matter. I have no settlement authority. We're going to court. That's the equivalent of throwing the steering wheel out the window. And maybe he didn't throw the steering wheel that's actually on the car out the window, but he needs to think that. And then his only logical strategy is to get out of your way. Because even if you want to get out of the way, you're not able to. So why don't we close on the different responses to trolls? We basically have the choice to go the non-infringement or the invalidation route. How do you define these two methods and how do you decide which one is better? If you're faced with a patent lawsuit, there are two basic roads that you can go down. You can show that you don't infringe the patent or you can try and invalidate the patent. Non-infringement is typically, it's a factual question, so it's harder to appeal. It's easier to demonstrate. It's just a question of your experts versus their experts, and it applies only to you. Invalidation is harder because, as I noted before, the patent has the presumption of invalidity. You have to find a prior art or some to suggest that the patent's not new or novel. You have to find some error in the filing or the prosecution of the patent or its renewals that suggests that the patent is no longer valid. That's a fair bit harder to do, is more appealable, but it benefits other people as well. So even if it turns out that that's kind of an easy strategy, well, there's clear prior art on this one. It makes things easier for your competitors who might see this patent down the road. So if you're playing sort of five-dimensional chess, which is impossible for any rational person to do, it gets very hard to decide which of these two strategies you're going to pursue. And you usually don't have the resources to do both. If you seek to invalidate the patent, you might find yourself striking fear into the heart of the assertion entity, right? I'm going to commit the resources to taking this away from you. I'm thinking big picture. I'm not caring so much about costs in the instant litigation. I'm definitely the guy who's throwing the steering wheel out of the window and stepping on the gas. This has been part two of the Patent Trolls series. If you liked it, please rate and review us on your podcast app.
And if you want to get involved in thought leadership around technology and law, you can send your ideas to me at chris at techgc.co. I'm Chris Sands, and thanks for tuning in to The Leading Edge. 